Yes, sir. Welcome back. You are live with All Eyes on Cleveland. Here to discuss your 9-3 Cleveland Browns heading into Monday Night Football against the Baltimore Ravens. First time they have met up since week one. We have a tremendous guest with us here as always as this is the show where we provide you with interviews with the top personalities in the nation discussing the pressing issues that face your Cleveland Browns. All Eyes on Cleveland is a podcast available where all popular podcasts are found and the simulcast is going out to Facebook Live, Periscope, and YouTube. Welcome in for another edition of the show a huge game looming on Monday Night Football. I could not be more excited to talk about it. We have another fantastic guest for you tonight. Uh, and we're going to go ahead and bring him in. His name is Kyle Andrews. He writes and works for the Baltimore Sun and uh, on the Mobtown Blitz podcast. Welcome to the show, Kyle. How are we doing tonight? Doing pretty well. I'm pretty excited to watch this game. It's going to be a pretty interesting one, I think. It it certainly will. I know we are uh, fired up as a uh, as a, a community here in Cleveland. Certainly, uh, it's been a long time coming for us at uh, nine and three. So uh, it should be a fantastic game. I've got a lot of questions for you here tonight. Um, and uh, but uh, let's. Uh, Let's start off here, um, and uh, thank you again for coming on tonight, Kyle, uh, on uh, All Eyes on Cleveland. Let's start off here with Week 1, a matchup that certainly, as Browns fans, we don't want to uh, revisit so much as it was a 38-6 to uh, pounding uh, as the uh, Browns got off the uh, bus. Um, to me, these teams are certainly different than they were Week 1. Uh, different football teams at this point. Uh, for you, what has changed about the Ravens since week one? Injuries. I mean, I think that's that's one of the biggest things. I mean, we always know in football it's always a possibility of injuries happening, and I think the Ravens have been bitten by that injury bug in terms of you know their offensive line. And then also we have to remember that this, um, you know, losing Nick Boyle, I think, a lot of other people around the league don't necessarily think of it being a big loss to lose your backup tight end, but the Ravens use a lot of uh, 22 personnel. And because of that, you know, now you lose that other guy that was supposed to be there, you know, blocking for that running game that the Ravens have with Lamar Jackson, with, you know, some of the other guys in the backfield, Mark Ingram, you know, I'm pretty sure you guys know this guy pretty well because he's an Ohio State guy, but J.K. Dobbins um, and and also Gus Edwards, too. Um, and we, we could see now that the Ravens offensive line is starting to kind of gel as time has gone on after the injuries. Uh, Orlando Brown Jr. has filled in valiantly for Ronnie Stanley um, in his absence um, with that broken ankle. Um, and then you also have you know, you you lost. Um, you also lose a lot of, uh, and you had lost a lot with Tyree Phillips being out. But now Tyree Phillips is back. I think that helps out quite a bit. You also have the replacement at center too, with um, Pat, Patrick McCarry uh, starting in place of Matt Skur, who had those awful snaps on um, on Monday Night Football back against the uh, the Patriots. So I mean, I think this yeah. offensive line is become a lot more uh, glued together. I know they had a lot of um, issues with uh, COVID over the past couple of weeks. Um, Certainly a lot of, a lot of them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Steelers, Steelers fans are pretty upset about that, but I didn't, I didn't get the anger because, you know, they were playing against the Ravens JV team at that point. So we kind of knew it was going to be a win for the Steelers anyway. Um, so I, I didn't, I didn't understand the anger, but you know, I think this Ravens team and, and both the Browns, too. I mean, we have to give the Browns credit. I think they're a way different team than the team that the Ravens faced at the beginning of the season. And they've been outstanding. They beat a team that the Ravens have had trouble with in the Titans. And, um, you know, their offense looked outstanding. So 
it's it's a bunch of concerns that I think uh, the Ravens should have going into this game. I think, um, but they're also gelling. I think at the right time that Cowboys uh, win certainly um, wasn't there. I don't think it was even close to being their best game that they could play. And I think that's also, uh, you know, maybe that's a knock on the, on the way that the offense kind of ran, um, despite putting up the amount of points that they did. So, you know, it, it certainly reminds me of earlier on in the season when the Ravens offense clicked to an extent, but still left some points on the board. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, you know, they came out and they did what they had to do against Cowboys. Cowboys aren't very good. It, you know, it, just watch them. It, it, it's almost a shame. I feel like some of those guys are, are, have given up over there. Uh, but, uh, you know, let's talk a little bit about Lamar Jackson's play. So, in week one, he came out. We didn't know what to expect. Uh, you know, well, we knew what to expect to some extent. But he threw the ball all over the Browns in week one. And he was accurate. And and it was like, oh, damn. Like, this dude, what has he been doing all offseason? He's been throwing the ball. He just, you know, MVP got himself better throwing the ball. You know, he looked accurate. He, you know, carved up the Browns' defense. However, you know, as the season has gone along, he's kind of regressed back to the mean as far as throwing the ball goes. You know, even against the Cowboys, he had an efficient night, but you see him throw some of those passes like where uh, Boykin's wide open in the end zone and he throws it at his feet in the ground, right? He had a couple of those, and 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 he struggles to throw the ball outside the numbers somewhat. So uh, wh- where are you at with Lamar's game at this point? Has he struggled? I mean, we saw um, Marquise Brown kind of, you know, get disgruntled a little bit with the pass game, I guess. He was saying some things about, you know, not being used properly or getting the long ball or whatever uh, as much as they would like to. Now, of course, we know the Ravens revolve around the run. That's what they do. Uh, And certainly he looked good running the ball last night, Lamar did. What do you think about Lamar's throwing the ball and just his game in general? How has he progressed as the season has come along? All right, so um, I think... I think the Raven, it's it's a two-pronged thing. I think that, you know, Lamar has gotten inconsistent at times. Um, and I think that it's a lot. We can we can talk about COVID all we want, but I think that some guys, they've got it down pat, and then other guys don't have it down pat. And I also think that has to do with a lot with the receivers and the, and the kind of passing game that, you know, the Greg Roman offense kind of entails um, – you know, Greg yep. Roman, we have to remember that his first year coaching Colin Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick had, you know, that really strong season. His, his, You know, the first year that he took over the starting job from Alex Smith. And then that second season was his best season. But then after that, you know, he struggled um, because the passing offense never kind of developed. It just got extremely stagnant. You know, I, I think that the Ravens don't run. Um, routes to rub their receivers open, um, you know, that would help out a lot more with crossing routes. And that's something that the Ravens just don't do. Um, and you would think that they would, you know, try to implement that kind of thing when, you know, your best receiver is five foot nine and 180 pounds soaking wet. Um, so I think that that causes some issues with, uh, you know, Hollywood Brown not being able to get open. Um, by himself because he gets bumped off the line almost immediately. You know, I think any big physical receiver that, I mean, big physical corner that has, uh, you know, you could get a four or five, a guy that runs a four or five. And yeah. as long as he bumps Hollywood Brown, who runs a four, two, five or something insane like that, if he bumps him, he gets the advantage on Hollywood Brown because he can't get separation either. And you would think somebody with his speed would be able to get separation, but he just doesn't do it. And I I think also, you know, receiving core wise, I just don't think this Ravens receiving core is anything to call home about. Um, I think you have you have Mark Andrews, who I think is one of the top tight ends in the league. But at the same time, you know, who on that rate out of all the Ravens receivers who really scares you? And I don't think it's one person. Yeah, they they're so I was going to ask you about the receiving core a little bit here. So uh, Mark Andrews is going to be back right Monday night. Yes, and Willie Sneed will be back. Uh, so 
less of depending on Boykin and Duvernay, right? Some of these guys that are really proven receivers in the NFL. Um, so I'm sure Willie Sneed will help. How much do you think he impacts the game? Because he kind of diced up the Browns in week one. So I think Willie Sneed. So although I do say that the Ravens receiving core doesn't have much to call, you don't have a lot to call home about the, about what their receiving core I think that Willie Sneed is he's old reliable. You know, he he gets the job done when you need him to get the job done. I think that he's the been he's been the Ravens yeah. most consistent guy. Um because you know that he'll go across the middle, take those blows, get those uh catches. Um and then it stinks also for Des Bryant because you know, Des Bryant, I thought he would have been the second guy that could do that. But you know, with this weird situation with him, you know, testing negative twice after he tested positive during the game or prior to the game. Um, you know, a lot of people in Baltimore have joked around and said, it's a Jerry Jones conspiracy that he, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> calls the COVID testing uh, <laughs> positive and he's been negative ever since. So we don't, we don't know what the situation is there. What's up with Des? He said he was going to quit last night. Did you hear him say that? Yeah. I, I or whatever that. he, um, he tweeted now, out. Like, he's like, I'm done with this. I, I quit. Like what's right. up with what's up with Des, man? I think he he had to have been extremely frustrated, and I think he tweeted out of anger and frustration at the situation. I don't think he's necessarily quit because Des Bryant <laughs> no. has been a he's been an outstanding influence on you know some of the Ravens' younger guys. Like I, I think Miles Boykin, that game against the Cowboys, like that that one catch that he had. I know he could have had two touchdowns, but it seemed like he has taken a step up because he's like. Hey, Des, you know, he got in my ear telling me, like, this is what I need to do. And I think that, you know, the Ravens have always had a receiver like that. You know, they've had an Anquan Bolden. They've had a Derek Mason. They've had a, you know, a Steve Smith in the past. Um, and I think Des Bryant, he might not be to the same level as those guys at this point in his career. But I also think that Des Bryant is hungry and he wants to, he wants to play. And he wants to be a good influence on these guys because – you know, yeah. he, he's seen how, you know, quickly the game can be taken away from him, especially after, uh, you know, a couple of nights ago. So that that to me, I think he, you know, he's still hungry. He wants to play. Um, and, you know, you just feel for somebody that has been through so much with uh, just his injuries and, you know, things along that nature. And then COVID or, you know, not actually COVID. We don't know what the situation is. Right. Um, so hopefully, you know, if if he can get out there on on Monday night, you know, maybe the Ravens will have a better chance, um, you know, with yeah. him out there uh, uh, other than, you know, having a bunch of guys and uh, Willie Sneed. He's, he's certainly somebody you got to pay attention to, right? I mean, just in name alone when he's on the field, he's somebody that, that you got to guard against. I don't know. Uh, at, you know, what kind of separation he can get at his age or anything like that. I, I'm not sure. I, we haven't really seen enough of it yet, right? right? Uh, but uh, an interesting signing, certainly. And and you would think that that receiving core is something that maybe the that Ravens would address here probably in the offseason again, um, certainly. Uh, all right, so uh, let me ask you a little bit here about the, the backs, the running backs here. So uh, we know they've got three – Really good backs, Ingram, Dobbins, uh, Gus Edwards, right? Um, and But Ingram is kind of getting phased out, which is really surprising to me. Obviously, Dobbins seems like the most talented, most explosive at this point. Ohio State kid, we, you know, we're very familiar with him here. Obviously, I uh, rooted for him for all the years he was an Ohio State player. But uh, he, um, he seems to be taking the the majority of the carries but i was i'm surprised at the way the ravens use their backs it's almost like even last night when watching that game it's like dobbins for a play edwards for a play ingram for a play that that surprises me a little bit just because you kind of think you want like a back to get in a groove a little bit you know right. sometimes it takes a guy some some time to get a rhythm and and start to see the holes a little bit better. So when they alternate backs like that, I, I'm kind of curious about that. But why do you think the phasing out of Ingram? Is he just a little long in the tooth at this point? Is Dobbins just better? Um, I know he got some carries last night, but even like a couple weeks ago before they got uh, COVID, 
uh, he was only getting like a couple carries a game. Right. And I, I think it's more or less because Dobbins is that guy. Like Dobbins is the most explosive running back that the Ravens have had since uh, Ray Rice. You know, it, okay. And seeing him wear the number 27, you're like, geez, he looks just like him. But the thing is, he's yeah. way more explosive. You know, one thing that Mark Ingram never really had that, you know, guys like Alvin Kamara had and now J.K. Dobbins has is that he has that home run hitting ability. Um, yes. You know, Mark Ingram isn't he's not necessarily the the kind of guy that's going to take a screen pass you know, 50 yards off of a busted play. Um, whereas J.K. Dobbins, we, we've we seen it multiple times. We've seen it in the NFL. We saw it all throughout college that he was one of the most explosive backs in college. And now he's, I think he's one of the most explosive backs in the NFL too. Um, it's just a question of how do they get him more involved? But I do also think that Gus Edwards has been one of the most consistent Excellent. backup running backs in the NFL as well. Um, Gus Edwards, he consistently, you know, beats up on defenses. He can run against the best of them. I mean, last year, I'll I'll never forget this game um, against the Steelers. Um, Steelers had the fourth-ranked defense in the NFL. Um, Ravens were throwing out their backups because they were like, okay, well, we already clinched the division. You know, everything's over. Gus Edwards goes out there, runs for 100 yards against the number four defense in the NFL. Um, yeah, and he's he's a backup. <laughs> so now now you yeah. got all these running backs that are just outstanding. Um, any of them could start on mo- on a good chunk of teams, um, and I think that's a question that you'll have in the off season is like, you know, do you do you save money by cutting Mark Ingram, or do you try to trade Mark Ingram for like a couple picks, you know, maybe some later round picks, um, oh, and then Gus Edwards, do you bring him back or do you let him walk? You know, and I think that they should try to keep Gus Edwards, Mark Ingram. Yeah. That's kind of up in the air. Um, but you know, I, I think they could find somebody to replace him. But if I'm the Ravens, you got to keep Gus Edwards just to you know be able to bruise people and beat them into submission. Yeah, no, that's uh, those are some tough decisions there. What you want to do with them, and you wonder what you could get for Ingram at this point, or you know how much he has left in the tank. I mean, he's been productive for a long time in the NFL, so. Uh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, and I, I wouldn't want to get rid of Gus Edwards. I'm a big fan of Gus Edwards as well. I think he's a really good back also. Uh, so, obviously, they have the number one run game in the NFL. Uh, and, you know, so this is kind of a, you know, with this question, obviously, we know they're going to try to run the ball. But what do you expect the Ravens' approach to be? Um, against the Browns here. Monday night football. Obviously, they're going to try to run the ball. The Browns have been decent against the run. They're, I think they have like eighth uh, in in the league in yards uh, per game uh, against the run. They did a good job against Derrick Henry, obviously, um, in that game in the first half and kind of took him out of the game. Of course, they had to throw to catch up after that, so that kind of skews his numbers. But he only ran for like 60 yards. I think it was his first game. He didn't hit 100 yards all year. Um, they came out, Browns came out, did something different uh, with a little five-man front uh, against uh, against the ten- Tennessee Titans. I wouldn't be surprised to see it again against Baltimore's run game. Um, what do you expect from the Ravens uh, game plan-wise offensively? We saw them throw it on the Browns a lot in week one. You expect them to, you know, what do you expect from uh, them as far as uh, their approach to the game. And, and then along with that, let me ask you this, kind of a two-part question. Do you think the Ravens take the Browns seriously at 9-3? and three? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you have to respect the Browns, and I think the Ravens absolutely do. You know, I think, uh, like I said in, a, in another podcast that I was on, um, I think that the Browns, this Ravens-Browns game is going to be more akin to, like, the old Ravens-Steelers games. Um, yeah. And maybe even the Browns games back in the day, too, back in the 80s, um, yeah. where the Browns were this outstanding team um, that, you know, they played physically. They were they were a scary team to, that the Steelers had to play against. And I think that, you know, the Ravens right now, they're fighting for a playoff spot. So you have to respect any team that you play against, let alone just – I mean, you can't just only um, – 
you know, get up and play for the against the teams that are going to be in the playoffs. And you saw that against the Cowboys that they thrashed the Cowboys when they when they needed to win that game. I think that, you know, something that I've always seen with the Ravens is that they play up to their competition. Um, they yeah. have a tendency of playing down in their competition. They didn't do that against the Cowboys. But I think that, you know, a divisional game, you have to get up for that one. I think that they're ready to rock in that game. Um, no pun intended, I know, <laughs> with Cleveland. But, um, you know, yeah. it's going to be it's going to be pretty fun to um, to watch that. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited to, you know, just watch some good football and then also see the Browns be competitive. Like this is this is good for the division. You know, I, I think a lot of people, um, you know, that's why I was so confused as a why Steelers fans were excited to see guys out. You know, like to me, I'm like, if if you're if you're a huge AFC North fan, you want to see each of the teams be at their best. You know, I don't want to see yeah. the Browns be horrible. You know, that's no fun. I don't want to see, you know, I don't want to see Cincinnati be bad either. I definitely don't yeah. want to see the Steelers play poorly. So. I, I mean, I want to see hard-fought games, and I think that, you know, this Browns-Ravens game is, uh, you know, it, it's going to be a hard-fought game regardless of who wins. And, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, they're not going to sleep on this game. They're definitely going to respect the Browns. Have to. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's been a long time since they've had a game that meant this much, surely. Uh, you know, for the Browns, 20 years since they've had a game that meant this much. And it's really interesting with the way that, I mean, okay, so, you know, Ravens are 7-5, and five, Browns are 9-3. and three. It's almost a must-win for the Ravens, which kind of scares me a little bit because you know the desperation, like a mu- the Ravens in a must-win game, like, you know, like, that's scary, right? Like, that's a whole different animal that I don't know if the Browns, you know, physically they are going to have to be ready for that. Um, it, it, it should be a really interesting game, and it'll be a lot of fun for sure. Uh, obviously, we know the Ravens are excellent on defense, right? Always terrific. Um, how do you see uh, them trying to stop the Browns' run game? Obviously, the Browns have a terrific run game, too. They're two-headed monster Chubb and Hunt. Uh, what do you think their approach will be as far as uh, against the Browns' run or defensively? What do you think their uh, approach will be? I think one thing that concerns me if I'm the Ravens is just, uh, you know, I think with having Calais Campbell banged up and not knowing if he'll play, um, I think it'll be harder to stop that Browns' run rushing offense. Um, I think with Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb's outstanding. I mean, there's nothing else that I can say about the guy. Like, he, he, I mean, it doesn't, like, to me, he's the best back in the NFL. You know, I, I think that Nick Chubb is complete. He does everything the right way. If you need him to make chips uh, in the passing game on a block and pass pro, I mean, God gets it done. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I think they have to figure out how they can take Nick Chubb out of the game because they never can every time they play against him. And then if you have Clayus Campbell out, you know, now you're left with, you know, Brandon Williams. And, uh, I mean, it's great to have Brandon Williams and Derek Wolf, you know, finally back. But I think if you, you know, let's say one of those other guys gets banged up, um, you know, it'll be extremely hard to stop that, that rush offense. I, I think passing-wise, you know, when it comes to the Ravens secondary, I think that's their biggest strength, you know. If, if Jimmy Smith yeah. plays – and you have Marcus Peters and, of course, Marlon Humphrey. Um, you know, Marlon Humphrey has shown me a lot this season, you know. And, and it's like his consistency is something that, um, you know, you would hope that, to me, I think the Ravens, they have to um, – it's, it's a great thing that they locked him up um, because, you know, you I, to me, I would put him on the best receiver. I would have him trail Jarvis Landry. But the Ravens trust Marcus Peters as well. And, you know, I don't think the fans have the same kind of trust for Marcus Peters as they do for Marlon <laughs> Humphrey. Because Mar- yeah. Marcus Peters, he's when he's great, he's great. But he makes a lot of plays where he tries to freelance. Um, and, you know, that kind of works on some of the less talented receivers. But the best guys in the league, you know, they're going to eat you alive. Um, and sometimes he can get with the best. I think he can, when he's at his best, he can play against those top receivers. 
But I think that, you know, when he's at his worst, sometimes he makes, you know, the slot guy who, you know, is the, the fourth or fifth receiver look like, uh, you know, look like the second coming of Wes Walker. So I think he <laughs> he needs to, uh, you know, step up in this game for sure. I think he's he's great. Like I said, I think Marcus Peters, his ceiling is extremely high. He has a great ceiling, but his, uh, you know, his ability to, you know, not let the, you know, small plays kill him. I think that's that's where the Ravens are going to have to try to clean that up at. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, everything starts off the play off the play action for you know the Browns. It's almost like okay, so they took the approach, and, and this is kind of how I think about the game. And tell me what you think about this, but like, I, I you know the Browns' approach to the Tennessee game, or at least the way that I thought about it going in, was like okay, either team jumps out to a lead there, it's such an advantage because they depend so much on the run even to pass. And I think Baltimore is the same way, right? Like, even their pass is, is kind of predicated on their run being there first, right? So the play action and what's going to open up because you're worried about the run. Same thing with the Browns. Their their pass game is there after the run is there, right? So if you're coming up to <clears throat> Tennessee, loaded up for the run, and the Browns were able to throw it on them because of that, right? And uh, so... In those offenses like that, like the Ravens, Tennessees, the Browns, are at their best when the game is even or you're ahead. But if you're behind, you're really putting them behind the eight ball. Like to ask Baker to bring a team from behind uh, with just straight drop back in the in the pocket and throw it is tough, right? Same thing with Lamar asking him to drop back and throw it a bunch of times. I think that's tough. You're, that's what you want to do if you're the Browns. I think that's what you want to do if you're the Ravens. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I definitely agree. I will say one thing about the about the Ravens and the Browns, too. I think that, you know, one one thing that I saw in the first game that the Ravens did was that they did go to drop back passes earlier on in the game because the run was getting stuffed every two seconds. You know, the Browns were able to yeah. crush the run. Um, but as soon as the Ravens kind of retooled uh, in that second quarter, that's when, you know, everything kind of broke loose where the Ravens were like, you know what, we could actually drop back and pass. And I, yeah. I, another thing that they did, too, a couple weeks ago was that the Ravens actually went on the center a little bit more. And I think that if they if they want to win um, some games, I think, you know, to me, Lamar, I, I think. Lamar, we, we have to remember, when he was at Louisville, he was under center quite a bit. Um, I think yeah. that a lot of people, you know, they they want to call Lamar just a running back or they want to say that he he can't read defenses that well or whatever. He was a he was a guy that was under center at Louisville, and that was one of – we have to – that offense was also one of the harder offenses to run in college football because it was more of a pro-style offense. Um, yes. And I think that when the Ravens show more looks instead of, you know, going from the shotgun or going from the pistol all the time and mostly the pistol, um, I think that opens up that uh, passing game, even on short passes like, you know, against the Titans, Des Bryant was left open for a little seven yard games every time they were playing, you know, coverage, maybe 10, 12 yards off of them. So I think, you know, you can you can make that happen with other guys, maybe not Des Bryant. Maybe you're throwing a Willie Seed a little bit more, put him yeah. in the slot. Um, Mark Andrews is another guy that I think, you know, teams are going to try to key in on Mark Andrews, but somehow he slips all, uh, away every time. Um, so, you know, I think that – and that's the same thing I think that the Browns could try to do as well. I think it's going to be a little bit harder for them just because of the cornerbacks that the Ravens have. Um, but Certainly. When, in terms of getting that middle open um, with Cooper and uh, also Njoku, I know Njoku hasn't been that great this season, but for some reason, every time he plays against the Ravens, he shows out. So to yeah. me, I'm, I'm like, you know, if I'm the Ravens, you have to make sure that, you know, your safeties are on their P's and Q's against Hooper and Njoku. And then especially Mark, I mean, when it comes to the middle linebackers, I think LJ Ford, he's up for the challenge. But Patrick Queen has been, you know, he's been hit or miss this season. And I know he's a rookie. And he has he has some of the best plays that I've seen 
from a rookie linebacker, but then he turns around and has some of the worst plays that I've seen from a rookie linebacker. So, you know, I think that, I, yeah. I was shocked, okay? So you're talking about Patrick Queen. I was shocked by this, right? So, like, I've seen him play, and he seems like he's always around the ball, right? And he's always making plays and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I just I haven't watched enough of the Ravens to really be able to say but to, from the games I have seen, I've been like, yeah, Patrick Queen's pretty good. And then I heard on just a local show around here, they were talking about his PFF score, right? His, his pro football focus score is like the lowest of <laughs> It's like 28 or something like that, like the worst of anybody in the NFL. And I was like, seriously? Like, I, I just, this just didn't make any sense to me, you know, high draft pick, whatever. But you've seen him all year. So, you know, you said he's hit or miss, right? Right. And I don't, I don't think he's, it's funny because it's, it's PFF reading. I think his bad plays are so bad that it brings everything else down. It's like, yeah, he'll have a play where he gets like, it's almost like when you, when you're in class in college and you, you have, you have one bad test grade that brings your entire grade down and he, yep. he'll get like all A's. <laughs> And then that one or two plays <laughs> that just kills the Ravens, you know, they that kills his PFF grade. So I think, you know, it's a little bit skewed. Like, I think the mean will be a little bit better. Like, I think he'd be sitting in the 60s or you know, yeah. low 70s had he, you know, had he not made those horrible plays at times. But I think that he, he's so talented, though. I, I think that, yeah. you know, it's just the beginning for him. We have to also remember in 1996, Ray Lewis wasn't Ray Lewis yet. So, and I'm not saying Patrick Queen is Ray Lewis, but we also got to give rookie linebackers, I think rookie middle linebackers, especially in today's NFL, especially with, you know, coverage, I think it, it's so hard to guard some of these guys. So I think he's learning, he's getting better. And he, you know, I think as time goes on, he'll show that he is worth, you know, that first round pick that they use on him. Certainly, it takes time for sure. Uh, definitely, and uh, I have no, I have no doubt that he'll be a stud. I just, you know, I just thought it was funny that I was like, "What twenty eight? I was right. shocked by that. It, it is crazy. Um, so, uh, if you're if you're a Ravens fan, uh, you know, which I'm assuming you are a Ravens fan, you report on the Ravens, you write for the Baltimore Sun. His name is Kyle Andrews. Uh, he's kind enough to join us here on All Eyes on Cleveland Live tonight. Just a couple more questions here for you, Kyle. Uh, you've been fantastic. Uh, what's your biggest concern coming into the game? Uh, is it is it Nick Chubb, kind of like you said before? What's your what's your biggest fear? Nick Chubb. <laughs> it's definitely Nick yeah. Chubb, and I think I think one through five. My my if I'm the Ravens, my biggest concern one through five is Nick Chubb, and then number six is Baker Mayfield <laughs> play-action passing. Because I think Baker, yeah. when, when Nick Chubb starts going and then somebody starts falling asleep in secondary, then Baker knows how to exploit that. And it, it was something funny that someone mentioned on local radio here in Baltimore, and it was that the fact that they said Baker Mayfield, for some odd reason, seems to have figured out how to move his arm with his eyes and his legs and put it all together. And I, and I can see that every time I watch him now, it, it just looks like, you know, Baker, he's going through his progressions. He's going bam, bam, bam. And then he's like, you know what? I'll take the check down the Nick Chubb or I'll take the check down the Kareem Hunt or I'll get in Joku in the flats. And, and it's just like, he's playing football. I mean, he's playing a lot smarter football to me. I think we have to give Baker Mayfield his credit on that aspect. But I think, you know, you have to worry about Nick Chubb the absolute most. Uh, Nick Chubb is going to get his carries. We all know that Kareem Hunt's going to get his carries as well um, yep. to supplement Nick Chubb. And if the Ravens can't stop the run, they won't win this game. And that's it's as simple as that. But if they can stop the run um, and you force Baker to throw a little bit more without the running game, because uh, some guy, I, I don't know what it is, but some guys they can they can fake, they can straight up throw off a play action all the time, and then you know not even yeah. have a great running game and make it work. Tom Brady and Peyton Manning were always come to mind when I think about that because 
one I mean they might have had Tom Brady might have had like one or two good great seasons where they I mean I guess where they had a running game same thing with Peyton with uh Edron James back in the day but you know those are the only guys and maybe Aaron Rodgers those are the only guys I can think of and I guess Patrick Mahomes too where they can yeah. make a play action work without having a great running game so I think if you take away a run game from Baker Mayfield, then the Ravens could, you know, pin their ears back and then just start sending blitzes at him and getting exotic with blitzes. And then also another thing that I think that, you know, is going to be a pretty big help is then having Matt Judon back. You know, you have yep. you have Matt Judon back off of co- off of the COVID list. Like everyone talked about, you know, Willie Sneed being back, and I think that's great. But you know, Matthew Judon is one of the backbones of the Ravens defense, you know, for better or for worse. I think, you know, Matt Judon has like, sometimes you'll see him and he'll have like three, four good plays in a row and then he'll, he'll rough the passer. But I think his <laughs> hustle is, you know, something that always keeps the Ravens in games. Um, even when they're down, because he, he plays at a hundred miles an hour. So, I mean, Patrick Queen, <laughs> you can see who he's learned it from. Like it, a lot of guys yeah. on the Ravens do that. They play, at 100 miles an hour, um, it's not as – I mean, back in the day with, uh, you know, Brian Billick, it was more controlled chaos. Now it's just chaos. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, you know, Matt Judon's going to bring some chaos, I think, uh, to that Browns offensive line when he, you know, he goes after Baker. I think Yannick Ngakwe, he's waiting in the wings too. You still have him. I think that he's been, pre- he's been pretty quiet ever since they're even traded for him. But I think – you know, he stole. I was going to ask you about way. that. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Ngakwe because uh, I was like wanting the Browns to try to get him even before the season when he was having the contract issues with Jacksonville, and then I was like, "Oh my God, you got to be kidding me!" The Ravens got Ngakwe because like he just just looks like an absolute beast, but he hasn't. He's been quiet, hasn't he? Yeah, and I mean, I think I think we have to we have to keep in mind too that. You know, a lot of times when when Yannick Ngakwe has been quiet this season, I think a lot of times, you know, they double team him um, and they're getting guys that chip off on him. And, you know, not everyone's Aaron Donald when they can take on three, four different guys at once. It just, you know, we don't have guys like that in the NFL much. Uh, you know, it's not it's not a bunch of Reggie Whites and uh, Dwight Freenies and you know, those kind of guys walking around these days. So. I think that, you know, people have to keep in mind that with with him getting double teamed, I think Matthew Judon in that case has stepped up, you know. Like earlier on in the season, everyone in Baltimore was talking about how Matt Judon hadn't stepped up all season. Now when Yannick Ngakwe comes in, Matt Judon starts playing well. I'm like, hmm, I wonder why. Maybe you should keep both of them. Yeah. Hopefully. If I'm the Ravens, I'm trying to keep – I mean, you know, maybe Matt Judon gets priced out now, but – you know, I think that they have to have two guys like that. Not only that, but you also have Pernell McPhee and Tyus Bowser. And Tyus Bowser is also in a contract year. And guess what? He played well the entire season, but his snap count has gone down ever since Ngakwe has gotten there. So I think you have to, you know, the Ravens have to mix it up defensively. Like, they can't just throw. I think they have to go more towards those uh, NASCAR packages that they used to use back in um when when uh, Zadarius Smith was there, um, mm-hmm. where you put a down, you put an outside linebacker and nose tackle essentially, and just have him pass rush. But then you also have you know three, four other outside linebackers in there, and you know you have them go after the quarterback. And I think that's something that they kind of strayed away from because they don't have that kind of personnel. Zadarius Smith was a freak, you know, he still is a freak, and the fact that they lost yeah. him. You know, that that hurt them quite a bit over the years. I think, you know, you don't have a guy. It's not many guys that can do the things that he did. He was able to play inside. And I think, you know, ironically enough, Pernell Mc, he, Zedaria Smith was Pernell McPhee's replacement. And if Pernell McPhee comes back to the Ravens, <laughs> replaces Zedaria Smith. So I think that pass rush, you know, they've been they've been missing a guy like that that can play multiple positions, even play the defensive line. Um, because, you know, the Ravens have a they have this weird defense where it is a base three four defense, 
but they use a lot of different other formations where they use four down linemen or they use, Certainly. you know, or they even get to a four, two, five defense and nickel, or they do multiple other things. They go into dime coverage. They go into, you know, they, they run so many different coverages out of different sets. It's insane. So I think that they, the Ravens, they, they have to, um, you know, they, if they want to, if they want to win this game, I think you have to, you know, stop that run first and then also send exotic blitzes at, you know, at Baker Mayfield. So that that's the biggest thing for me. Yeah, certainly, uh, you know, the Baltimore's defense is one of the most complex in, in the league, certainly when it comes to the blitzes they run and the different looks that they're going to show you, is they're going to try to confuse Baker Mayfield, certainly, uh, and give him all kinds of different looks, and I'm sure they'll be ready to do that. It should be an awesome game. I can't wait. Uh, I wish it was I wish it was tomorrow, you know what I mean? I, I just honestly, Browns fans are so psyched. We can't wait for this game. You know, uh, as far as the playoff picture goes, you guys have this game and then three, like, layups pretty much, right, down the stretch, or not very good uh, contender. I don't have the list in front of me now. I know they're not very good. The last three games are very winnable for the Ravens. Do, do you think that 10-6 uh, and six can get you in in the AFC this year? Like, if they lost this game, do you think if they went out they can still get in? I think if they lost the game, they could get in, but it'll be a lot tougher. So I think that they'll need some help, probably. Oh, yeah. I I think that, you know, to me, the Titans are going to get in. I think you, you know, the Browns will get in for sure. Um, And then that third last wild card spot now, since we have seven teams instead of the original six, I think it's going to look, it's going to be a dog fight for that last spot. And I think the Raiders and the Ravens are the two biggest contenders to that spot. Um, yeah. I think the Ravens are a better team than the Raiders, of course, but I also think the Raiders have pretty big, I mean, their booms are huge, but then their busts are pretty big too. So yeah, that that's, that's the problem with them. So I don't, I mean, and plus they haven't been there before. You know, this, this is a team that just doesn't have the same kind of consistency in the track record that the Ravens have. So I think that the Ravens, you know, if they, if they do end up with that 10, 10 and six record, I think they could still get in because I think the Raiders will somehow have egg on their face at the end of all of this because that's just what the Raiders do. And it's not necessarily that this Raiders team is a bad team. I think they're, you know, they're actually way better coaching than they used to be. I mean, now John Gruden has kind of got these guys in a better situation. And I think Darren Waller, you know, also a former Raven, he's he's been outstanding himself. So, you know, yes. I think that the Ravens are going to have to win. They have to win at least against the Browns to put pressure on all their teams that are fighting for that last spot. Um, so we'll see. I, I mean, I think that, you know, out of out of those last final teams, I think the Ravens are the best, they're the best team out of those teams. But, you know, they're going to have to step up and beat the Browns. Like, that. it's just as simple as that. If they want to make the playoffs, because a couple weeks ago I, I was saying, like, I didn't think that they were a playoff team. But, you know, anything could happen in this league. We saw what the Browns did to the Titans. They beat them senseless after the Titans yep. beat the Ravens senseless on a regular basis. So we don't know how, you know, teams match up. Maybe other teams match up better. Um, but I, I think that, you know, Ravens, they, to me, they're the best out of that, those last teams in that last wild card spot. Yeah, I, I would think so, too. Um, I think they they could probably find a way to get in, even if they do lose. But it'll be it'll be it'll be close. There's the the when you really look at it, uh, a lot of teams down the stretch that are in this AFC wild card end up playing each other at some point. So there's some automatic losses in there. So some of these teams are gonna have a tough time getting to ten wins. Uh, but so I think the Ravens could probably get in either way. But uh, it's certainly a huge game if they do want to get in. I think that's why I said it's it's scary that, you know, when you think about the Ravens playing with desperation or with that must-win kind of approach, which I'm sure they're going to have Monday night, that's a whole other animal that I don't know, you know, if the Browns are ready for yet. But certainly, like, my keys to the game are, are going to be the same as they were last week. Can they match 
the Ravens' physicality, right? Can they match that level of physical play? And can Joe Woods find a way to slow down the run? And those are the main two things for me. Um, so, you know, it'll be a good one. You got a prediction for me? Yeah, I do. Um, so, I know, to, like I said earlier, I think it could, go, it could go either way. I think it comes down to a field goal. Um, and Ravens have Justin Tucker, so. I think it's a 27-24 oh, yeah. game uh, Ravens win. Um, but, you know, I could see it going either way. I, I don't think I'm married to any other – I mean, any idea in particular of what the outcome will be. You know, one day yeah. I'm thinking, oh, yeah, the Browns, they, they've got this. And then another day I'm like, oh, yeah, the Ravens have got it. But I think with all those guys that have come back for the Ravens, and I think that the offensive line has started to gel a little bit, I think that the Ravens right now, to me, I think that they, they get this game. Well, we will see, certainly. I appreciate your uh, time tonight. Uh, you were fantastic. Uh, Kyle Andrews, the Baltimore Sun Mob Town Blitz podcast, which I'm sure you can find where all popular podcasts are available. Anything else you want to uh, shout out here, any of your work? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so I actually wanted to shout out my co-hosts as well. Uh, so Vasilios Nicolau, he's with uh, WBAL TV in Baltimore. Um, then you also have Anthony Barkley, who is my co-host. Uh, Vasilios is our producer. And then Gabrielle DePolo is with 105.7. She's also another uh, co-host of mine on Mobtown Blitz. So, um, you know, if you can look up their stuff as well, I can't really recall what their uh, twitter handles are but uh, <laughs> yeah, you know if you follow mobtown blitz you can you can find their twitter handles so mobtown at mobtown pod uh that's the twitter for mobtown blitz and then my twitter is uh kyle j andrews underscore so you guys can uh follow us on that did I, did I, I thought I found you i must have put the wrong kyle andrews in into my preview suite I th- I thought it was like Kyle Andrews BS Baltimore Sun Media Group. Yeah, that's my that's actually my other Twitter. Uh, okay, I, all right. I actually merged the two account, or I tried to. All merge right, the so two I got accounts. one of them in there. <laughs> I got one of them on there. So wait, go ahead and uh, shout out. What's your What's your Twitter handle again? Yep, it's Kyle J Andrews underscore. There you go. There it is. Go out and follow uh, follow Kyle on Twitter and uh, check out the work that he does for the Baltimore Sun. And uh, you can listen to Mob Town Blitz podcast. We're all popular podcasts for fun. Thank you so much, Kyle. You're fantastic. Uh, it'll be a great game. I'm sure we'll uh, touch base afterwards. And uh, maybe uh, if we meet up in the uh, playoffs, we can uh, certainly talk talk again then. All right, man? That'd be great. All right. Thank you for coming on. We appreciate you. Yep, no problem. Thank you. That was Kyle J. Andrews of the Baltimore Sun and Mobtown Blitz podcast. Mikey, get that line out of the middle of the screen, please. Thank you, Mikey. Mikey on the ones and twos tonight. Uh, doing a great job as always. My name is Brad Ward. You're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland. Uh, the podcast can be found where all popular podcasts are found, and uh, certainly the simulcast going out to uh, Facebook Live, Periscope, and YouTube. 
If you're watching on YouTube or watching on the playback on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button and the little bell down at the bottom there so that it can remind you every time we're putting out uh, content for you uh, as you uh, can uh, follow along. We'll have some big news here in the coming uh, week about the show. I don't know, maybe week, uh, weeks, week. I think I can probably tell you guys not next week, maybe the week after, but some big news about the show coming, and uh, I'm thrilled about it. Uh, but I'm even more thrilled about this game on Sunday as uh, the Browns and the uh, Ravens. Uh, you know, we talked last show uh, earlier this week about the flex to Sunday night football with the Giants the week after. So the Browns going prime time in prime time back to back. Uh, I mentioned my keys to this game here. Uh, you know, certainly they are the same. They are the same as Tennessee. It's the same thing. Match their physicality. And can Joe Woods find a way to stop the run? He came out very uh, with a great approach against Tennessee. I would be surprised if he didn't come out with a similar approach. Certainly different. You're going to play the, the, the read option that, that Baltimore runs, you're going to play that differently, and there's going to be some different rules for guys in there as far as the way they play that. But that five-man front, I think, is a great approach. Not knowing if we'll have Denzel Ward for the game is huge. Um, I I really, really hope that, obviously, that he is available. I think that as long as if you can see him get work on Saturday because of the weird week because of Monday Night Football. So Saturday, if he can get some work, uh, I think that um, that would be really big. Um, and, you know, then he could play probably uh, on Monday night. We'll see what happens with that. But he's day-to-day at this point. Um, and then the other kind of concerning thing that I saw in the injury report today is hoop. Hoop missed uh, today, did not participate, and it didn't say that it was not injury-related, so I'm not sure what the update on Hooper is uh, as far as for him for the game on Monday Night Football. So keep your eyes peeled for that news as it is uh, December the 11th of Friday night here uh, as we get ready for a huge football weekend ahead of us here. Um, in mid-December. Mid-December, the Browns playing meaningful football is something new for a lot of us and uh, is to certainly be enjoyed. I've got a couple more things here for you tonight. Uh, Let's see here. uh, uh, I've got a video I want to show before we get up and out of here. And this video makes me laugh and uh, smile every time I watch it. It is truly a gem uh, of a video, and uh, it should be watched and enjoyed by all Browns fans. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, try to bring this up here. Uh, okay, we've got the uh, Twitter. All right, nope, that's not it. Uh, let's take this down. All right, here we go. We're gonna we're gonna expand this here. And we're going to stop it first. All right. So this video, before I I get to it here, uh, this video is to be enjoyed by all Browns fans. And it is courtesy of, and I must say this, courtesy of uh, at Angry Browns fans uh, is the creator of this video. But it is one that he put out after the Week 8 victory over the Bengals but is now more, uh, even more uh, important and pertinent and uh, absolutely hilarious uh, as uh, you've got to watch it and enjoy it. And I watch it and enjoy it uh, very often, have reposted it several times on Twitter. So it, it, it's, it's here uh, and you need to see it. So I'm going to play it now. Uh, enjoy it thoroughly. Uh, it's, it's a great one. 
uh, for Browns fans. Uh, and uh, with that, we'll watch this and then uh, have a couple thoughts, and we'll get you up and out of here. Thank you for listening to All Eyes on Cleveland. Make sure you hit the subscribe button at the bottom, and uh, feel free to interact in the comment section if you would like. Let's uh, Let's do this. Let's turn this up a little bit here. An absolute gem. Worth the price of admission every time. Uh, truly fantastic work. Via Angry Browns fans. I, I, I can't stop watching it. I can't stop watching it. Monday Night Football. Browns are 8th in the league now in the run. Middle of the pack in the past. The linebacker play is going to be huge. Mark Andrews returning is going to be absolutely huge. Browns have always struggled for years now, including this year, to stop Mark Andrews and stop the the, the, the tight end play. Uh, that'll be fantastic. Uh, get fired up about it. It's a lot of fun. This is going to be a blast down the stretch here. Browns should get in the playoffs. Either way, they should be at 11 wins or get there to 11 wins one way or another. They can do even better, too. Uh, I think they have a great chance to win this game the way that they played against Tennessee. I'd like to see that carry over. And there's just something about this team. There's something about the way they're carrying themselves right now, the way they're coached by Coach Stefanski. I think it'll be great. All Eyes on Cleveland is the name of the show. Uh, you can listen to it where all popular podcasts are found. And certainly you can watch it now on YouTube, Periscope, and Facebook Live. Um, I hope you enjoyed the interview tonight. And uh, we will be back next week uh, with a couple more shows and some big news about our show coming in the future. Once again, hit that subscribe button and uh, the uh, uh, notification bell to let you know when we're coming out with brand new content thank you all for tuning in to another episode of all eyes on cleveland um but let's do it one more time before we get out of here let's do this one more time Fantastic stuff via Angry Browns fans. Hope you enjoyed the show. Um, you start getting excited, motherfucker. We gotta go. You start getting excited, motherfucker. We gotta go. You start getting excited. Monday Night Football Browns Ravens. 
Thanks to Mikey on the ones and twos. My name is Brad Ward. This has been All Eyes on Cleveland. We are out.